0: Hey, 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 what's going on? Welcome to episode 31 the Bus Driver Experience. Oof, I am exhausted. I put a lot of time off in between the recording of the show to me doing the intro of the show. But I'm going to give it my best, I'm going to give it all, my all. See, I'm just over here slurring words, I'm all over the place. And quickly, we're going to jump into the sponsor of this podcast, Ambery Gardens. Ambery Gardens, a... CVD manufacturer and source out in Colorado. Uh, I've been using Ambry Gardens for the entire month of, uh, what month are we in? May. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, man. I am ready for bed. But I've been using Ambry Gardens for the entire month of May, and I'm actually going to use some right now. I'm a little tuckered out from a workout. Um, And their products have been fantastic. They've been phenomenal. Uh, Although I may have been personally taking a little easy, training, working hard, and working out this month, um, Ambry Gardens has been there to, uh, excuse me, still keep the inflammation down from the lack or a uh, little bit of exercise I have been doing, and um, as much as I've been getting back into gear, it's been uh, it's like I haven't missed a step and haven't missed a beat. I really love the deep rub; um, it's one of the products they have. is very uh, therapeutic post workouts and post exercises, and when you use Bus Driver promo code on any Ambry Ambry Gardens products, you're going to get yourself a 15% discount and you will be supporting the show. So check out some of their stuff. You know, I'm always skeptical when I try new supplements and products, but Ambry Gardens so far has been the real deal. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Yeah, you saw that one right there. I slipped that one in. So that's AmbryGardens.com, Ambry Gardens on Instagram and use promo code BUSDRIVER And yeah, that's it. We're on today's show. We have Mike Brangatelli. I guessed it right on the show. Hopefully I got it right there. Uh, He's the host of the Mike Adelic podcast. Pretty far out there podcast. I like it. Um, I'm a big fan of self-reflection. Uh, personal exploration and personal discovery through psychedelics and psychoactive uh, chemicals. And he talks a lot about that on the show, but he shows a little bit more than that. He's really trying to create a space, you know, to inspire and have unconventional conversations with um, people who study this stuff, whether they're medical doctors, scientists, or uh, unique individuals who are very open to talking about this. You know, as much as we, uh, he and I, um, are open to talk about this, share our experiences to, you know, potentially show and enlighten others that you know there is a community there's a space for people who are interested in these things um it's grown and you know mike and i get into that on the show we talk about how the space has grown from the dustin alberts ram das's timothy leary's you know to the hunter thompson's to you know the amazing work that people like um what's his name from uh maps rick doblin's been doing with maps with nda research uh to you know healing uh post-traumatic stress disorder ptsd so um it was a great conversation talk a lot about of our own personal use with the uh with several different uh, psychedelics our experiences with them and how and why we believe um you know where we see psychedelics uh they are today so so go ahead and check out mike's show check out mike all the links in the bio we be able to connect with him and enjoy episode 31 with mike Renthaline. I'm not a
1: writer okay yeah!
0: Give on my way. not it be crazy? Uh, <laughs> that was almost bad. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. If you're streaming this show on Twitch, YouTube, I think I threw it up on Periscope for Twitter as well and Facebook. Welcome to the Bus Driver Experience, episode 31. Um, pff, welcome to anybody new tuning in. I know I had a few new tuners, so they were going to drop in for the show. Um, Joined by Mike. I'm going to botch that last name. Brancatelli? Nailed it. God, I yeah. got it. There you what a, go. What a, what a Wednesday it is. And Mike is the host of uh, the Psychedelic Podcast. It's a um, very, very solid podcast um, bridging the gap between psychedelics and um, I would say uh, how to get everybody on board. You know, uh, what would be what would be the proper term for? Uh, it's a
1: cult, basically. Activist. Yeah.
0: Well, well, the <laughs> activism, but it, it shields the cult, the cult like personality and the cult like desires we all have, because if you're not just taking a bunch of drugs and, you know, having sex with people, I mean, is it really a cult?
1: Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Those are but the dude, qualifications. You,
0: <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today, man. Where, where are you coming from?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm in Denver, Denver, Colorado.
0: Sweet. How are things out there with uh, COVID and uh, whatever the, the worldwide pandemic we're experiencing right now?
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's. I guess it's um, not as bad as some other places, maybe like New York or LA, places mm. like that. Uh, you know, wear a mask when you go into the grocery store and things like that. But uh, but yeah, I've been getting out. I've been going on hikes. I've been going to the park. I've been getting outside, doing things, and going for bike rides. And so that 's why that 's why I live here, so be outside, and outside's still not uh illegal, so that 's good,
0: yeah, I can only imagine it's going to be a little bit difficult in the wintertime or what that 's going to look like in the wintertime when you 're in a place that's a little bit colder i 'm um, in l a and uh, you know so far hasn 't been too bad. you know, I think people are putting a little bit of uh, of this crazy idea of that saying the government 's telling you you can 't go for a walk outside they 're telling you you can 't get exercise they're They're really just pulling your arm back and telling you you can't go do things to, you know, make your life better. (laughs) Yeah,
1: those are just fat, lazy people making excuses. (laughs) And I'm one of them, so. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, But at least it sounds like you're getting out and getting out and about. But, um, yeah, it hasn't been too bad out here in L.A. Um, You know, as much as things have been closed and, you know, I think, uh, you know, every – politician is doing their best you know whether you're a democrat republican or whatever none of us have dealt with this before in our lifetimes it's (laughs) it's different some people could be doing a, a better taking a better approach to it but um leads us to our conversations about you know everybody's uh everybody's shit and everybody's uh you know internal struggles or problems you know they weren't already happening before this is putting a whole different level of stress on people's lives that wasn't happening before, and, you know. We're, we're seeing outbursts. I mean, we're seeing a lot of crazy stuff that's happened just um, with the police and you know, people of color. That's just uh, you know, those two things just really just don't seem to be going well, you know. In this society, you know, we're um, you know, we're pretty outraged. It's pretty crazy that uh, you know, not everybody still is uh, a little ticked off. This is all happening, but um, you know, it, it plays back into the psychedelics uh, thing, but kinda of went on a little ramble tangent there, but let's go back into uh um your show, man. What, how did you get founded in your show and um what's been your um experience and uh yeah experiences with psychedelics and um self-exploration
1: Yeah. Uh well yeah it's um that was a that was a, a good rambly tangent because there was a lot in there that, that I can relate to. I really I was doing stand-up comedy in New York City around 2013, and uh, then I started doing a political podcast with a comedian friend of mine called Part of the Problem. His name's Dave Smith, uh, and uh, and it was great because I was really interested in the time. It was sort of that was around 2012. I had like an awakening experience. I mm-hmm. had a profound LSD experience, and my mind was just really open and craving learning and knowledge and seeking. And so I was just getting as much as I could from a diverse range of different things. Uh, I had been, I have been digesting a lot of like libertarian philosophy as well as uh, psychedelic, uh, you know, mages and bards like Terrence McKenna and Alan Watts and Joseph Campbell, and just a lot of these great teachers, Ram Das So uh, it was like this crazy convergence of all these kind of sp- disparate areas Uh, and I was doing this political show and you know because I was really um, really passionate about the ideas of of freedom and liberty and and that sort of thing and but then the psychedelics kind of was merging into that and I and I thought well there's there's a connection here you know the psychedelic experience is a very loving uh, liberating connecting novel diverse experience that uh, that is about freedom Uh, freedom of expression, freedom, you know, and, and so, so I thought, yeah, maybe I have like a a show idea here. And uh, I decided to start Mike Adelic around this time in in 2016. Then I went and drank ayahuasca in Peru and came back. And, (laughs) and that, that really, that really solidified a lot of, um, a lot of things. And I wound up leaving that political show and sort of leaving the, the limited rigid, Ideology that i would sort of Been in um, not, to, not to trash libertarianism Or anything I think they have some good principles But I, I tend to think that whenever you Find yourself in a particular camp You kind of get bogged Down by, by The sort of you know the, the, the religious aspects of that camp So I, I decided to just go off And explore and just do more psychedelics And talk to interesting people Whoever I thought was interesting and it's just been Going that way ever since
0: no, I hear you with that camp on the, especially libertarianism. It's just like, uh, I think just as a young man, you get so sucked in, like, oh wow, this is great, you know, freedom, you know, everybody doing their own individual thing. I'm a, I'm a go-getter. I've created things for myself before, and then when you get there, like, well, how are we gonna help other people? Like, oh no, 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 it's kind of let everybody do their own thing, and it's like, well, you know, not everybody is, you know, is. Is capable, you know, or has the same circumstances or chances as everybody else. And there's like, yeah, yeah, but we let the free market handle it. It's like we could do a little bit more, right? We could do a little bit more to help everybody else. I mean, at least that's where I uh, got caught up with it. And it's just like, ah, no, no, no. There's, there's a, little, there's a lot more we can do. There, there's a little bit. There's another next step in that direction. But yeah, man. Um, what you say? Your first experience was uh, LSD.
1: Well, no, I I, I had taken a bunch of psychedelics in in high school, through high school and college and stuff, but it was more, they were just kind of a part of partying for me. It didn't really mean anything. I I was a big partier. That's pretty much, that was all I really cared about uh, was uh, was partying and having a good time. So I would like sniff cocaine and then like eat mushrooms and drink beer. And, you know, it was just stupid. Um, But my first real kind of, I guess, sacred intentional experience was, uh, in 2012, uh, at, at Coachella actually. And, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, it was my first time there, uh, you know, and, um, and I just had some really, really good LSD and, and it happened. I was, I I was, I just finished reading Steve Jobs's biography where he had said, I, I was a big jobs fan kind of geeking out on his like mm-hmm. keynote presentations and Apple and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I, I, major majored in communication. I don't know. I always liked like persuasion and oratory thing. And mm-hmm. he was really good at that. And so uh, he said that taking LSD was like the most profound experience or the greatest experience he's ever had or mo- most important, significant, something like that. And, and I was like, wow, that's really interesting because my mind had always Categorize that as just like a drug, just another drug, mm-hmm. you know, just some drug. Like, there's a bunch of drugs. This gets you high. That gets you fucked up. How high can you get? And then after that experience I had, it sort of um, it confirmed a lot of like suspicion, like suspicions and questions that I had about life and the world. And it just made me feel a little bit more comfortable in, in my own skin and in the world. And and uh, then it it led me down that that road of exploration. Like I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to learn about you know, what is this? What's, what's really going on? Where, where where's the, what's the the good information out there? I just was hungry for, to, to learn about it. And, you know, I discovered that like they're doing tests on this and at Harvard and, you know, there was a guy named Richard Alpert. Now he's Ramdas, And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, so it was, it was fascinating to to learn about the the history and the science and the, the people that were really taking this, these substances to be, you know, in a rigorous scientific approach.
0: It's really interesting because, um, how old are you, by the way? I'm
1: 35.
0: Okay, I'm 30, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's so interesting to see or, and listen to hear someone who's been on the, you know, that same kind of journey as well in terms of, you know, the, the second I wouldn't even say psychonaut, you know, but just, you know, this, uh, self exploration journey. I remember my first experience, you know, psychoactive is probably MDMA, but you know, again you do it like in a in a nightclub experience and it's like, you know, rave culture is so underground and it's so um you wanna say like black market style because, you know, it's just like all these people finding a way or a means to escape or, you know, take these substances and then they're just, you know, doing it in these, like, really, really obscure situations. And then there's, you know, mixing, and then there's drinking, and it's just, like, the worst things possible. You're combining and throwing in together. And then also, you know, what um, I'm sure you've experienced this with uh, with your ayahuasca experiences. I mean, having a shaman and having a guide and then also being in that setting as well, whether you're all the way in the Peruvian Amazon or... You know, you're in the woods in uh, the Pacific Northwest. I mean, there's so much the proper setting can do not just get your mind in the right place, to get your, you know, you want to call it spirit or your psyche to, to understand and kind of um, digest however much of this experience you potentially or possibly can because it's a lot. And I remember my first uh, LSD experience. And it's interesting because I remember I wasn't, I played the sports in college. And it was, I'm going to be a basketball player forever. I'm going to, you know, go off and run around the world, play basketball in all these countries. And and I did it to the sense. But my senior year, I um, got a hold of some LSD and just said, oh, I'm just take the plunge. You know, you think you're, in, as an athlete, I'm invincible. I can go. And then, bam, just like, whoa, whoa, hold on. And it was very similar to how you talked about it. Just having that, whoa, 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 what is this stuff? How... And why was this experience not that it necessarily was an amazing experience, but just the hunger and the interest in, you know, just life itself really got a kick. And I've always been a motivated and interested it, it, person interested in the world around me. You know, I've conversations with people <laughs> online, as we can see right here, about psychoactive chemicals. Um, but it was like, it was almost like a jump start, And I'm interested to go in back into like, you know, what was it like doing that in high school? You know, especially, you know, now now that we know, and I'm sure you've heard this uh, stat, you know, our prefrontal cortex is still developing by the age of 25. And you think about, you know, you know, what we, we did as, you know, teenagers or kids and, you know, how that, you know, may or may not have affected all that stuff. But what was it like doing that in college, in high school? Excuse me.
1: Fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was very fun. I I had the time of my life. I lived in the moment, you know. I, I I really did, and um, you know, maybe to my my the detriment of my future self, but I wasn't really thinking of that. Uh, I think that you know I was really angry at uh you know the system, so to speak, or the mm-hmm. systems. And uh, I think a lot of kids go through that sort of thing. Um, I think the way that our Western culture is set up is, you know, that it it really, it produces this kind of um, rebellious and over-consuming, you know, abuse of substances and alcohol and things like that because, because it's, it's, it's so hidden, because it's not talked about in an open and educational way with, type wise types of elders, like a shaman type or someone like mm-hmm. that. So naturally curious kids want to explore and they want to find out things for themselves. And that's, that's exactly what, what I would, you know, that's how I felt. That's how I've always felt. Um, and so, yeah, I think that uh, the, the conditions in which my exploration uh, was set under was set under more of a rebellious nature than than you know than, than it's than, than, than necessary it 's not necessarily uh, something you know i think that in in a world i 'd like to in, envision to to be we would really educate kids about a lot of the things that we keep away from them where then you wouldn't have such a sort of rebellious kind of abusive way of of drinking and treating people and that sort of thing. So, but anyway, I, I just in high school, I was just having fun. You know, I just, I looked at everything and I just said, this sucks. I'm going to do whatever I want. And, and I did it without proper guidance. So basically what I'm saying is if there was like a proper guidance system set up, there would be sort of a, uh, a, a more constructive way to explore one's consciousness or a constructive way to be initiated into the tribe so to speak
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i I just don't think that's just uh psychedelics i mean look at sex i mean you mentioned a great one with like you know substance abuse um and drinking like we just don't talk about these things i i I have a uh this artist from new york her a lot of a lot of stuff she uh puts out is on you know nudity and the female figure and you know i always get in conversation with her it's like she's Where'd you probably learn sex from? It's like, I probably learned a lot from pornography. like, is that necessarily a great thing to say at all or a good thing? You know, how many relationships like, you know, or, you know, encounters like you have and it's like, what are you basing this off of? You know, you have no one from most of the time your parents or, you know, people in school or your teachers, like who who is it in your life that's going to teach you said things and teach you how to interact, especially if they are, I mean, whether they are with the, you know, the same sex or opposite sex, I mean, it's, it's, it's troubling. You know, you know what, what is, where, where do you think the fear comes from in our society just to, to create, like, these taboos? Like, just, because, I mean, I think I see it everywhere in our society. Americans love avoiding, like, big topics and big issues. And well, we're seeing that with racism right now. Like, all right, it's over. Like, it's just over. Coronavirus? Yep, we're, we're just saying it's over. We're not going to deal with it. Just push it to the side. Yeah, <laughs> it's so interesting. Ooh,
1: yeah, I mean that's a big question. Um, I mean it's a number of different things, you know. I think that that uh, there's a. I think I think it's natural as a human being to fear death or to fear the, you know, our, to know that we're mortal finite beings, you know, deep, deep down. I think a lot of people, maybe this isn't a conscious thought that people have on a daily basis. I mean, I kind of do, but (laughs) because I'm interested in this stuff, you know? Um, So Pulitzer prize winner, Ernest Becker wrote the book, the denial of death, which is like one of my favorite books of all time. And he's, he's identifies in the book that human beings are one of the only creatures that are aware of our own mortality like, we, we know that we have this creative capacity to imagine things in our minds, collaborate with each other, and then mix materials and labor from the world mediated through time to produce and manifest things that were once just visions. I mean, it's incredible when you think about it. You know, it's like we have sort of infinite powers of gods, yet at the same time, we're, we're, uh, we're destined to be food for worms, as he puts it. Oh, you just blacked out.
0: the cat hanging on the wire, hang in there. <laughs> God damn amateur hour.
1: That's no, all good, man. It, this stuff happens all the time. Yeah. It's, it's in the world. It's the wild West world of podcasting. You know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Especially when we're live. Oh, are we still live? Oh yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, Hey, you know, <laughs> This is part of the process this is this is raw. this is real
0: raw, uncut, unfiltered, yeah uh, that was quick. I had all the equipment here. I just forgot to do it right then and there oh, um, good, man. yeah um the the fear of death thing and being aware of our own death, you know you just uh, built a garden at my home here and it's just like, you know, when a bug comes in or, you know, a bird might come in, does something to the garden or just, you know, it's just being, so to say. It's like, you know, you, we can't help but wonder. We like the anthropomorphize, you know, the animal, like, oh, he's probably thinking, you know, what's he going to do for dinner tonight and where he's going to go here. And it's like, no, it, it, it doesn't. We We are so unique in that. And, you know, just thinking that, you know, It's just all going to take care of itself, you know, the the idea like even to not have those thoughts about death or what happens after because most likely nothing really happens or it just just kind of stops, you know, you know, our our existence and our experiences really aren't that unique to, you know, universe or the reality we live in. So, you know, how do we confront those things and how we experience those things? They're tough, you know. We're not. We're not saying it's easy, but um, I think like you know, we've done such a great job of shielding ourselves, um, you know, especially with capitalism and uh, this consumer mentality. Just like, oh, you just gotta get more, 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 and more. And the more you get, the more you're gonna be good and fill, keep filling it up, filling it up, filling it up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think as a society and culture, we're at a breaking point now, just cause, like, I, I don't think we can go on anymore. It's it's, it's too much
1: yeah yeah I think you know we we human beings really like to think of ourselves as being really clever you know and and superior to the moth that flies into your room or the caterpillar, you know, but we don't know what level of intelligence other sentient beings have you know and and the only level of intelligence that we know that they have is one that's comparable to the measurement of ours, which is pretty. You know, I mean, it's 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 difficult to do because we're we're looking at our level of intelligence and saying, "Well, this is the gold standard," you know. And if we can't under, I, I how could a plant be intelligent? I can't possibly. I mean, you know, it's it's this sort of thing that we we can't possibly fathom because we can't quantify it and we can't measure it, you know, in this in this particular way. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I, I think that. Um, we we have a tendency to 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 get really clever to invent things and institutions and systems that say, well, it, it sort of gives us the illusion of comfort, the illusion of security, the illusion of uh, permanence, you know. When when really that's just uh, that's not the case, and a lot of these these systems are just held up by our co- our collective beliefs. Um, so I think that you know we really find ourselves in a lot of uh, you know, a lot of binds because we, we tend to really just latch onto things. You know, we get to the top of the mountain, we plant our flag down and we say, well, that's it. It's over. <laughs> we figured it out. We figured it all out. We are the apotheosis of civilization. This is the pinnacle of, of things, you know, maybe we'll go to Mars and that'll be cool. But, uh, but my, my opinion is that it's really, uh, a lot of these things are, you know, um, uh, a lot of the problems that we have stem from the internal conflicts that we project out into the external environment and and thus you know create and manifest the 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 external egoic world from our internal troubles so really you know it might sound cliche to say but if we want to change things we got to start from from within
0: mm-hmm. no completely i think uh You know, what's what's interesting about our generation, um, you know, um, is that I think our parents and, you know, what do you call them, Gen Xers or baby boomers, like, they went through that experience with, like, the Cold War and Soviet Union. Just like, oh, hey, our enemy for our whole lives, everything we knew, it's over. History is over. We did it. Like, hey, push it to the side. We're going to be okay. It doesn't matter anymore. We did it, and then, um, you know, 9-11 happens, um, and uh, you know, now the financial crisis happened. <laughs> it's like we're just dealing with all this trauma still, especially, in mean, our generation, you know, can't say, oh, well, we've dealt with two financial crashes, a pandemic, been to two or three wars. We've had, you know, this opioid epidemic that we're dealing with in this country where we deem deemed that it's okay for this many people to take these substances and complete damage and ravage cities in this country and it's just like no no no, no. It's, it's, it's okay you know history's over you know we have no more enemies and it's like it's like constantly looking for a problem somewhere else again like we mentioned before like hey nothing nothing's wrong here it's out there right it's not you yeah. it's me and you know to play into you know these um you know, psychoactive substances, mushrooms, psilocybin, LSD, um, even cannabis. Um, you know, I, I enjoy I, when people are asking me to do cannabis there, I probably don't do enough. Probably could, could, could smoke a lot more or eat, eat a lot more. Because um, again, that level of self-reflection you can experience on, you know, just from a puff or two where you're just like, whoa, I think I was a dick today to that to, to my mom or someone I spoke to, like, 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 well, let me, let me reflect on that. And let me call them up and say, I'm sorry. I, I was an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I can't be an asshole. Um, but again, I mean, it, it's, I mean, those channels are slowly getting there and they are, but I mean, I, I think that's why those things are so highly sought after, you know? I mean, we, you know, from, like I said, the LSDs, I mean, to, you know, which could be, you know, from six to 12 hours, depending on something you're consuming, you know, where it's just like, Hey, let me hold on to the rails of my seat. <laughs> and I have no idea where my mind is going to be taking me to, you know, uh, ayahuasca and DMT, where it's just like a complete different inward journey into yourself. And kind of like, you kind of, like, at least for me, I was like, kind of like curating it for six months before of everything I wanted to experience and work on and go through and, um, like peel apart by the time I got to Peru it was like whoa oh man like after those three ceremonies like kind of just kind of went through everything I wanted to kind of grew completely metamorphosis butterfly <laughs> the was it the the poop of the shell off and it's just completely new uh person experience so um you know, why is it you know maybe a little bit more on the uh scientific level you know what what these things do to people um or why it lets them have you know these these intense or you know in your face experiences
1: yeah that's a good question why you know i i don't really know why but i have a thought as to how they could be beneficial um well why on a scientific level i think i think you know that explanation is is uh has been studied and researched, and, and, you know, thankfully because of more things that are opening up, we have great institutions like, uh, the Imperial college of London, the Beckley foundation, um, you know, maps, the Hefter Institute, all these places, Johns Hopkins that are able to do research and provide the data that, and I, and I love seeing the data because it it confirms the, the feeling of the experience as well. You know, it's like, yeah, that's what we've been trying to say for so long, you know, with these anecdotal, uh, evidence stories and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but yeah the the thing that i I love to talk about the most is the uh the default mode network of the brain uh mm-hmm. and how you know we have this sort of orderly sort of government within our heads that that directs the flow of traffic and makes sure that you know things are neural pathways are firing in particular directions and and things like this and it sort of it sort of keeps a structured order but that structured order might not be one that is serving you it might be a structured order that you've developed over years of trauma and implementing coping mechanisms and so certain kinds of behaviors and habits have been you know firing down these neural pathways and it's not really you know maybe it's keeping you stuck it's it's not being productive right and there's other things as well in the in the body, but you know just here with the default mode network i with uh I think it was the Beckley Foundation that released the study of the brain scans that were showing how the default mode network gets basically lowered uh so it's it's it becomes subdued it it quiets down and you can i guess maybe call this the ego as well, and it allows different parts of the brain to communicate with each other it allows for different neural uh you know pathways to 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 shape and to form because of this interconnectedness mm-hmm. uh so so that i think is really important because to me it's it's you know the psychedelic experience a lot of the times uh when done intentionally in like a ceremonial way is really like it's like defragging a computer you know it's it's like a cleanse it's a restart it's taking out the trash you know, and I think that's really, really important, especially for human beings in this particular kind of environment where we grow up with, with an overload of sensory input data coming from the internet and television and media and, you know, this thing and that thing. And um, so I, it, it, the, the cleansing aspect is, is something that I that I like about it a lot. And I think that's the way in which it was used. It's been used in many ways, uh, but, uh, you know, to, pro- to provide visionary experiences, to gain information, uh, from higher powers and, and these kinds of things and, and, to bring that back. That's the thing that I like most about the psychedelic experience to me is after the experience, how can we then integrate this into, to ourselves and then into the, the communities in which we care about, you know, what can we, what can we learn from these, these realms? What are they saying to us? What is the message here? what do we need to do? Like you said, getting introspective when you're smoking cannabis, realizing you might've been a dick. It's like that cleansing of the, of the soul palette of the mind palette. You know, the, I think we, we need that. So why, I I don't know, but they're here. And, and those are the the things that they can provide to us if, if we're open enough to listen and to, and to, and to take them with respect and, and reverence.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I haven't read Michael Pollan's book. Um, I know he did a, uh, big, deep dive into, I don't know if it was mushrooms specifically, or uh, a lot of uh, psychoactive uh, substances, but yeah, he detailed it like having that good hard reset, where it's, yeah. hey, let me get a good wipe, because, yeah, I, I mean, I, I could honestly admit I'm so overdue for a psychoactive experience, because, like, just, you know, getting you get so rigid in your ways, like, whether you want to say, you know, your, your wiring just gets so so ingrained into the walls of your head and you're just like, no, this is how I got to be. This is how I am. This is how it's going to be. This is the only way it's going to, it's going to work this hard to get here and there and there. And you even realize like you, you even like your ego holds yourself hostage to growing, to experiencing new things. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would even say it's a good laugh right here. It's, it's a bad laugh. Like, oh man, like, yeah, we're not going to let you do it still. We're not going to let you grow. <laughs> um, but yeah um, it, it's really good and I know we uh, you had mentioned some of the channels um, and the new places where people are researching people are writing about these things and it's really getting to the mainstream and you know, we look at the history you know uh, Timothy Leary uh, Dustin Alpert aka Ramdas. I remember reading Be Here Now in like 2014 I'm like this book makes the most sense like I, I get this guy's journey like the path he went on to go from here to there interested curious knowing more and experiencing more and it's like this guy it, it makes so much sense um but it, it's really interesting because then you can look at the other people like uh in that space like hunter thompson who you know amazing writer you know i would say a psychonaut in his own regards to you know watching you know you know, someone who struggled completely, you know, an amazing artist, but you know, struggled completely with, you know, taking all those substances and you know, mixing them and <laughs> experimenting with them in all these different ways, and you know, you know, you see that struggle part there, and you know, someone lost, you know, in their time, um, to, you know, just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, it's so hard, but, um, it's amazing to see the channels that have opened up, and that are opening up, but, you know, you think about back then, if we were having a conversation like this, the government would want to be watching you and listening to you. And you can't help but say like, hey, it's kind of a success. These two guys are talking about this on the internet, <laughs> broadcasting this out to the world where people can learn about it. They can know about it. Um, so I mean, it's fantastic that, you know, these channels and these operations, you know, those pioneers have paved the way for stuff like this to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, it, it's really nice to see. Um, yeah, we live in a very interesting time right now. It's, uh, yeah, you don't really see too many people being uh, rated for having conversations about psychedelics or, or something like that, you know. Um, so it, it is nice. And, and here in Denver, mushrooms are decriminalized. We're moving more towards a kind of mainstream psychedelic culture, you in know, a, in, a, in a way. Um, you know, but, uh, there's, there is, a an interesting kind of, uh, um, sort of system of control that really, I think that, that you can access this stuff, but you have to kind of be aware of it first to, to get, to gain access to it. Like the, the availability of information, um, out there, it's, it's all out there. You know, I just I wonder how many people are are getting exposed to it. I think it's that this is what this is the thing that interests me a lot is uh, how how to get this kind of conversation or conversations about these kinds of things to people that normally wouldn't consider them or think about them. And, and you know, maybe maybe Michael Pollan's book is doing that and maybe like, you know, documentaries on Netflix are, are kind of doing that. Um, so. Yeah, it's just interesting to see that, that the, the shape of the environment where we, we seem to be a very entertainment heavy environment is what, you know, what I'm getting at. So it's like, you know, a lot of people are, are also looking to things like this. But then again, there's there's so many avenues of distraction available as well.
0: Completely. Um, you know, but I think that individuals, especially in, you know, we'll just use the, the bubble of entertainment itself, have done such a great job. You know, I mean, Joe Rogan just you know pressuring his guests like, "Hey, you done DMT? Hey, you want yeah. DMT? Right. DMT? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he was uh, I don't know, executive producer, or producer on the DMT Spirit Molecule, you know, show or movie. You know, it's like little things like that, conversations like this. I mean, you, your you know, your whole program is you know steered around uh, something like that. Uh, I know you've had Shane Moss on the show. I've had Shane on the show. Um, way back uh, three years ago. We're we're long overdue. Um, Duncan Trussell's new show on Netflix. Have you seen that? that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah, Midnight Gospel. Yeah, I like it.
0: I've watched the whole series four times. It's it's incredible. It's incredible because I, I feel like I have this guided, meditative, spiritual, you know, lesson in those eight episodes. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, the entertainment and cartoon. But again, like, to build off that, like, okay, this animated claymation cartoon has been able to you know maybe I'm not taking psychoactive substance but you know after that I feel a lot more at ease you know at the end of the day like you know since when is a cartoon not going to do that because you're thinking stimulus you're so stimulated you're wired shaken off the couch excitement and then actually to be relaxed because of the messages that were you know displayed or you know privy to you in the show um yeah, that's no, a great. It,
1: it, that's a great aspect of it. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, that again, that goes back into uh, us being, you know, so worried about our death. You know, I think that that plays into that because we're like, no, we got to make the change now. How much change is happening? We want change to happen in our lifetime, and even though you know the technology improves and advances, like, it still doesn't move to the rate and the speed that we still want it to. It's like just, just a little faster. Just a little faster. I don't know if I'm not going to be here for it. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's beautiful, though. That uh, Denver is now decriminalizing that. How how much um, possession or what's the uh, possession size um, or like fines that someone might be facing if they uh, have psilocybin mushrooms in Denver? Yeah, that's
1: actually a good question. I I, I the law as I know it is is uh, that you can grow mushrooms for personal possession. And I think it's, I think it's sort of up to the, you know, there's, there's no, you know, you're not allowed to sell them. You're not allowed to distribute them. uh, But you're, you are allowed to grow them for your own personal possession. I I think it's sort of up to the discretion of the authority uh, figures if they want to determine if you're, you're having like a massive grow operation or if it's just for personal possession but then again, there's there's really nowhere to go if you were to sort of like make an arrest for for something. There's no, the law limits uh, or or basically takes away all the funding that would go to the criminalization of of people uh, for possessing mushrooms. Uh, so, yeah, I I just I think that's it's a great first step. It's a good it's a good step in the right direction to just say. And it's great. I love I love it because it also Uh, I like the idea of empowering people to grow their own. So you can grow this stuff. It's kind of easy to do and it's abundant and you can grow a lot of it. And um, you don't really need to, you know, sell it for mass profits and things like that. I mean, it's, that's not what the mushrooms are about. So, you know, if everybody were to grow, if everybody that was interested in mushrooms just grew their own, I mean, that, that, to me that's that's a nice uh that's a really nice thing.
0: Yeah. Listen, just a gram, gram and a half, you know, and a nice afternoon, like listen, you you don't need that much of it either. And you shouldn't be giving away. You know, we're talking to like, you know, people talk about heroic doses, you know, that five gram mark or seven gram mark, and you're just like Yeah, they're nuts. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> well you're talking to one of them. So. Yeah, well I, I I've
0: gone I've gone that deep too and it's just like <laughs> I think that's that's uh, one of my last major big uh, experiences with it because it's like, ooh, I'm uh, gonna pump the brakes. <laughs> I saw enough <laughs> from
1: that. Um, well, that's that's a good you know that's that's good. Once you get the message, hang up the phone a little bit. You know, it's you don't always have to do these things all the time. I'm not you know I have a show called psychedelic and you know people might think that I'm like popping psychedelics all the time, but I'm really not. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I I I I the, the I like to do them with intention with purpose for reason in a ceremonial setting. And I also like to do
0: them occasionally at,
1: you know, like a music festival or something for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's sort of the way i I go about it.
0: The big thing you said there, um, and I'd love for you to elaborate on that is, you know, intention and purpose, especially when it comes down to the, these very, very strong, um, very powerful, um, substances. Um, how how does one or how one, can one work on that? Because I know I might ha- you know have people, you know, who listen to this. They've d- done them, they've experienced them, or they've experienced them in that party. You know, maybe more of like a party like atmosphere, and that's like, oh hey, there's a bag of mushrooms. Let me just uh, pop some of these here. Oh here, take a hit. Uh, you know, of LSD. You know, wh- why is it important to have that intention and purpose behind it? Or you know, is it even important at all to, to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, sometimes sometimes not. You know, like I think that. you have to just know yourself, you know, you have to just know yourself. If you know, you know, look, if I've done LSD a bunch of times, like if I, if I was at like a party and my friend was like, you want to hit, I'd be like, yeah, let's, let's, I, if I felt like I was in a fun loving mood, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, it it really is what you want to bring to it. Right. I think the set and setting aspect of it is really important. And the, and the substance too, like knowing it, you know, testing it, dance safe is a great uh, organization that provides test kits and things like that. So you know what you're getting, you know, that's one of the big flaws of the whole war on drugs is that it's, you know, besides all the unnecessary arrests and the violence and crap like that, and the money being spent on it is uh, that, that people don't always sell you the thing that you think that you're going to take. And then that results in deaths and things. So anyway, um, but yeah, I think just know yourself, know this, know what you're getting into, know the substance and the, the intention and the purpose aspect of it, you know, I, I, I bring this from the ayahuasca sort of model, you know, being mm-hmm. in Peru, living in Peru, working with ayahuasca and, and with the Shipibo people of, of, of the Amazon in Peru. Um, the way that the it's structured there is with the respect and, and the reverence for this sacred thing, this this sacred experience that you're going in and you're sort of making a pact with this plant and you're making a pact with this thing to, you're going to bring something to it. It's going to bring something to you and, and you're going to take something away from it. And so I, I just think it's, it's really about the the respect for these things. Um, if you want to call them medicines, you know uh, I think it's about bringing respect to that. And I think it's about also really just knowing why you're doing it. Like, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of doing five, five dried grams in silent darkness as Terrence McKenna would say, you know, what, what is the, what is the purpose of it? Is it just to explore? I mean, maybe, you know, if, if that's the case, cool. Uh, if, if it's to heal, you know, I, so I think getting, get it, get really clear on, on why. Um, and I think uh, just, yeah, just having respect. I've done, large doses before without respect and they, they can turn on you. You know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. I think you really want to enter into the, it's a relationship just like you would have with it, with any, with a person or anything, you know, you want to come to the table being cool about it.
0: I think it's interesting. Um, in regards to, I'd love to be in like the room of, you know, the authority figures or the group of authority figures where they're like, okay, this one's legal, this one's legal, this one's illegal, like, okay, no, 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 we can't do this one, uh, just a little bit of this one, just a little bit of that one, and you, you'd imagine that the people who are, you know, working, uh, these authority figures, you know, have the, you know, the advisors with them who know the most about this stuff, who have researched all these things to say, hey, this is actually not that bad, but this is actually good, and okay, that's it. The rules and laws are set. Nothing will change. Don't want it to change. It'd be such a weird conversation to be in on or just a, to be a fly on the wall in the room when, you know, those laws are set or they're kind of passed to understand, you know, wh- why or what, you know, do do we not want these things a part of our culture, about our, our society or civilization? I
1: mean, Yeah. How, how much yeah. People, I mean, like, hate it?
0: or like do they or they're are they afraid of it themselves?
1: I think it's a, you know, I, I, it'd be, I don't, I wish it went down that way. You know, I wish it was, <laughs> I wish it was some, some kind of rational, reasonable table discussion, but uh, you know, unfortunately, I think it's really just in the, in the bowels of the, the machine, you know, itself mm-hmm. on, on this kind of autopilot uh, of um, this sort of, uh, you know, incentive structure of the, I guess what I would call like the 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 power elite oligarchy that sort of is in charge of things. Uh, they they're they're pre- pretty much just going by playing by the rules of the game that allows them to stay in power and you know and, and in control. So whatever that is. And it all, the needle only moves when enough pressure is put on them. So like with, with Rick Doblin and maps and the MDMA, you know, testing and, you know, he he's been fighting that fight for like 30 years yeah. and finally getting approval. And, you know, unfortunately it has to come on the backs of, of, uh, or not on the backs of, but it has to come as the result of, uh, veterans from war and having ptsd you know i i don't know if maps would have gotten that approval if it wasn't for that particular area so it's this kind of messed up thing when you think about it like oh we had to go to these crazy wars and people had to get severely traumatized just in order for us to just in order for the government to listen to us and say hey maybe mdma can help you know Mm -hmm. um but but thankfully for for people like him who keep putting pressure on the system same thing here in denver you know, it was a grassroots effort effort of people that went knocking door to door to say, hey, are you in favor of decriminalizing mushrooms and educating people? So I think when enough pressure is put on the system, that's, you know, it's almost like when, you know, when the people are at the, the king's gate with pitchforks and, and ready to revolt, the king has to go like, okay, all right, we'll give you, you know, a pound more of bread. And then everyone's like, all right, fine, we can relax a little bit now until the next thing, right? Um, so yeah, it's uh, a... <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 uh it's it's quite an interesting uh game of tug tug of war
0: yeah i usually make that same uh comparison just we're outside the gates of the guillotines and just like all right you know hey you know we can't do it anymore come out here let's chop your heads off let's start over <laughs> it's it's france 1789 all over again
1: yeah right. yeah hey can you come out here please so we can behead you in public <laughs>
0: yeah we need to make an example we feel like you've taken advantage of us and you know cutting your head off is probably the best way to do that so you know you won't give us our mushrooms yeah, we have no bread like it's yeah. time. it's and time. They're like they're like all right we see your point that's fair <laughs> what's interesting with mushrooms is a lot of people don't know that they um in the animal kingdom wise they're like their own separate branch on the animal kingdom i mean it's yeah. it's I don't even want to call it its own animal. It's, you know, not even just its own species. It's just its, it's own kingdom. It's uh, really incredible. Have you seen the Paul, I don't know if it's, it's Paul Stamets documentary. It's on Netflix about uh, the ma- magic mushrooms or the magic of mushrooms. Um,
1: fantastic Fungi, is that the?
0: That's the other about? alliteration that we're talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: Fantastic yeah. Fungi. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing, yeah.
0: Amazing documentary. And, um, you know, I've been experiencing uh, experimenting with mushrooms, you know, probably cordyceps more and
1: cordyceps are great
0: yeah yeah i think people get confused all the time because they're just like oh yeah here try this thing and it's um and i've been taking the one supplement from like on it for like i said like 10 years the shroom tech Mm -hmm. and they're just like whoa 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 what are you giving me there's no drugs in here right there's no (laughs) drugs it's like no no it's good for your cardiovascular health i'm gonna go take it before i exercise gonna go on this run right now it's like oh okay but like (laughs) <laughs> that stigma with that word shroom around it is like it's 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 insane but um you know mm-hmm. from the lion's mane to the chaga to the reishi there's there's just so many mm-hmm. that you know have so many amazing you know properties that could help you know i mean just um not when you say help people but you know just are amazing for our health our wellness and our bodies you know again back towards hemp back towards this whole idea of prohibition um and from people you talk to, um, you know, have you talked to anybody who is, you know, battling and fighting prohibition on the show? And uh, where do you, where do they say we're at in all of this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I I sort of always bring it up. Uh, a, I mean, I bring it up a lot. I talk to a lot of people about it. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's there's a lot of You know, there's people at like the Drug Policy Alliance um, who are doing really good work and uh, just a a lot of people all over and some of the organizations are, are escaping me right now. But... Anybody that's really, you know, standing up and, and speaking out and talking about these things and, and there's people that are working on, you know, public policy and that sort of stuff. I haven't really got into in-depth conversations about that. And I think it's mainly because that's sort of not my, my particular area of interest. Um, mm. I think my, I, I like the fact that like, I, I love, I love the fact that people are doing that. But for me I'm more interested in sort of creating alternatives outside of the system that are attractive and appealing that sort of work on their own without having to sort of get permission from authorities and public policy and, and that sort of thing. Um, that's, that's sort of where I'm, I'm more, I'm more attracted to is, is sort of voluntary, spontaneous voluntary grassroots communities coming together to, to sort of build, build things that, um, that function without, uh, the, the approval, uh, necessarily of, of like, uh, you know, the, the policy makers and things like that. I, I just, I'm a, just a big believer in that sort of like Buckminster Fuller quote where he says, you know, if you want to change the system that want to change the existing paradigm, you don't fight against it. You build something that makes it obsolete. Uh, so I, I sort well, of, I, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and, uh, but I, but having said that it doesn't, I'm not discounting the efforts of people that are, that are fight you know, fighting the, the mm-hmm. policy and trying to change. I think it's all necessary. Everybody plays a necessary part. Uh, and it's a necessary component of the whole of, 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 really of bringing humanity back into being whole instead of this sort of this separate compartmentalized othering that we see exist so much throughout the world. Uh, I really, I'm interested in the sort of integration into into wholeness, and I think that the best way that that happens is when people are like passionate and voluntarily come together to to make and form agreements with each other about how they want things to to be.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it, that I was able to uh, really um, touch on the importance of a community organization, like the grassroots style, like you know, especially after seeing. Um, what you know? What's going on politically? And it's just like you know, your own interests or interests of people around you, um, and who live around you just aren't taken care of. And you know, that's normally how I vote. You know, I vote very municipally. Um, you know, especially for the local areas. I mean, elect like um, pre- uh, what is it? Executively, presidentially, like you know, that votes like a little like just. So out of your reach, you know, so out of you know the the things you can dictate, and I always say it's really important that people you know get out there, you know, organize with the people who who live near you, you know, interact with your local, you know, the coffee shops, the uh, restaurants, the grocery stores, you know, have conversations with people at your local park. Like these are the people around you who can create and start the most change. Um, so you know, I, I am excited for COVID to be over. I'm out here in Echo Park in California, but oh. to you know get some. You know, some community organization stuff going, you know, whether it's like, hey, you know, like going to the extreme where it's like, hey, you you know, you have hundreds of people in an organization that live around you. If you guys all decide like, hey, we're not going to go to work, we're going to protest or do something. I mean, that's power. And I mean, I think it's the biggest thing with with capitalism that people don't realize their value where it's just like, oh, hey. If we want to organize together in a collective and demand more than get more from somebody or from the people around you, it's not a bad thing. You're just told that's the bad thing that you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to collectivize' because that's socialist and like that like no no no, treat it like capitalism we're going to go to the table we're going to demand more. We don't like our deal we're not going to do anything until we get more and it it's it's great what you guys have done in Denver because I think that's um a real 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 testament to the power of you know people coming together and making that change especially on the smaller scales especially where you live I, I i wish more people i wish more people saw the power of that
1: yeah and and you know i this it changed my opinion a bit about about some things but uh you know i i think that you know you do you do have to play within the system to a certain degree right i mm-hmm. think my yeah. my Then that's, that's sort of one of the things that I've learned because my, my sort of default positioning is, you know, it would be way better for everybody to just make their own personal choices when it came down to what they were interested in consuming in putting into their own bodies. So we shouldn't necessarily have to gather the opinions of the group to say, Hey, is it okay if I eat a mushroom? Is that all right with you? And, and ask everybody, right? And it, so it's this, you know, democracy, in my opinion, is not necessarily synonymous with, with freedom. And uh, it, democracy does have its merits and values. Uh, I do find it difficult. So, so, so playing to the sort of democratic system that we have. Yeah, it's great that we were able to get that done. Uh, I would like to see a world in which more people respected other people's differences and choices without having to be forced into agreeing with that, if that makes, you know, like in a a sort of uh, voting way. But I think that only that only happens with more localization and more and more education and more understanding and conscious consciousness, uh, consciousness expansion. Right, the the expansion into the idea that uh, that we don't have to um, necessarily uh, be involved with things that we don't agree with.
0: No, I mean that's it's a a pretty deep topic to get into. It's like like why do we need to still come to this agreement on a you know a very whether you want to say minute or minuscule level of you know what I want to consume or how I want to you know. On a better bigger scale, experience reality like i I mean I think you're completely right. I don't think there is a necessary need to have to come to the agreement in terms of you know of something as you know small and minute as that, you know it's it's like uh it's like we've created a bigger bureaucracy and a bigger system to deal with like things on such a small level when it's like maybe that's something we don't need to touch, maybe that's something that it's going to be okay. What yeah, you hit the it? you
1: hit the nail right on the head. The bigger bureaucracy because it's a it's a inevitable it's an inevitable uh conclusion that happens when you have uh this as I was talking about before like the orders of of control, right? Like like we we want to let's we want to control our environment, we want to control we don't want to die. You know, we want to live in, in a safe, secure, sanitized and healthy, clean world. So we just keep adding more and more layers onto the orders of control to control. We have problems and we approach everything like with a warlike mentality. I mean, even this like COVID thing, it's like, you know, one of the things that really disturbed me about the, the lockdowns and things like that uh, was that, you know, I just thought like, okay, well, well this is great. It, that, that if this is such a, a serious threat that we can mobilize and that we could t- and the, the, the government and and, and that people can take action to solve a problem. Why can't we do this for a lot of other things that are really, really bad? Like if we have the power to mobilize and to, in, and, and to um, mandate you know, these kinds of rules and, and laws, then we should be able to do that for hunger, homelessness, you know, the, all these major, major problems that affect people. Um, you know, but uh unfortunately that's not necessarily the uh the 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 incentive for them to, to be tackling those issues. There's not a lot of money to be made in that.
0: Well, yeah. I, I think uh again it it comes back to the people not dealing with their own shit or their own problems to say like, Well look at that homeless person over there. I can't go give them my money and pay my tax dollars to help them. And, and the thing I just love throwing it on the people like have you ever been in a bad place? Have you ever been at zero? Have you ever, like, you know, just couldn't get it going for a few weeks, months, maybe years? And and now that you've made it out of that hole or that problem, like, what if I told you that person that gave you that one chance or that last chance to get out of that situation, you know, or or to get to the next step to where you want to get to? What if, What if you didn't have that? What if you didn't have a family? Like, or like, I think the stat, like, you know, just having a mom and dad and growing up in a, in a t- together home allows you, you know, percentage wise to have a cert- X amount of success or to get certain places in life. And it's like, that's just something to be even more grateful for. That's like an opportunity that, you know, that allows you more success, you know, having just one mom or maybe one dad, like, you know, limits you to the barriers of growth in our society. And it's like, Can can we like you said? Like, can we just look at that? Can we mobilize like to help people who you know give them a you know extra attention because they don't have two two parents in their home or you know they they don't have a home at all? Like what that's like and how we can open up the I think uh, the the levels of accessibility you know with whether it's business or just culture and society itself. Like yeah we. What well, you said, we set up those walls. It's like we need that good hard reset to tear down those walls. Exactly.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Quieting the default mode network, the societal default mode network, to you know, as within, so without. Right. Like uh, as above, so below. So it's like everything is a mirror and a reflection of of what is happening internally with with the people that occupy the geographical space in which we're existing in. So it's like we're building our environment. Our systems our institutions, and in turn they're building us in this feedback loop like we can change that you know I think we could change that with with more awareness unfortunately, a lot of times that change comes from crisis so one of the you know this particular crisis that we find ourselves in with this pandemic I think is is the silver lining to it or the alternative angle to it rather than getting wrapped up in the fear and everything is what how can we stop and have a reset and rethink? Hey, maybe maybe we can change things. Like maybe some of these, you know, they, these 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 programs, these institutions, these laws, these rules aren't necessarily the most beneficial or, or effective. Like maybe there's other ways.
0: Um, yeah, I I, I think <laughs> people are just so blind to look at the potential or the projections of you know where it can, you know. Down the line be that much greater for everybody you know it's like well we don't we don't want to spend a billion dollars on homelessness but it's like all right but we're spending less money on cleaning the city on a daily basis we're spending less money on you know emergency room visits that these hospital administrators have to put up it's ma- costing people more money on insu- health insurance in general you know we're having more yeah. people you know um enter whether you want to say the workforce or just, you know, society itself that can integrate and interact, or, you know, you know, I, I always think the most interesting thing is, you know, as big as, as big of a country that we have, we don't, uh, you know, have so many cool, like just social programs, like for people working, you know, at national parks or state parks, or, you know, just the entire country. I mean, or just even, you know, kids themselves, like, Hey, listen, you know, we don't have a, a, uh, what's it called program? Um, what is it when you get uh, enlisted in the military? You have to, is it like a draft? or Yeah. Know, everybody everybody has certain enlistment, but like, you know, hey, you have to do national park enlistment. You know, you got to live and you got to interact with people from around the country. You know, they want to say summer camp costs money. I mean, we have, we have all these places. Hey, you know, this summer you're going to pick up trash at the national park and you're going to be living out there at Yellowstone or you're going to be taking care of ex- uh, certain animals. There's just so many amazing Things that we have, and we have the potential to in our country, because we live in such an amazing block on this big circular globe, floating in space, and it's just yeah. like ah, just underutilizing it. Yeah, and I I tend to look
1: at um you know I I don't think these are these are things that we can think our ourselves into. I don't think the average person and most people, like I mean even myself included, usually what I make a change is when I feel it on a deep level. It's it's not necessarily sort of an, uh, a, a rational intellectual pursuit, not all, not all the time. I think, you know, to, to be confronted with the reality of the world, you know, you see homeless people living outside of, of your apartment and you walk by them and you don't pay any attention to them. And, you know, you're like, oh, I wish these people would get out of here. It's like, yeah, the the you're missing the the level of empathy and compassion <laughs> right? and love, and but that that is is the product of the environment in which we've been conditioned to kind of separate that and call them this other this this blob of the homeless, like this static thing that's just like, well, what are we going to do with this thing? Uh, rather than hey, these are uh, people, uh, you know, these are these are people <laughs> right? and they live in uh, and they're living on the streets. They're they're human beings. They're just like you. <laughs> having a different experience. So I don't think people, I don't think we're at a point where we, we, we can think this, like we, you know, I think you have to feel it, you know? And I think I, I I equate a lot of what's, what's happening right now in this kind of pandemic crisis as almost like a challenging psychedelic experience. Uh, You know, there's oftentimes you sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony, you'll have a very challenging experience or a challenging trip it, it forces you to confront the reality of things, and so maybe if if that's happening now, great. If it's not, I but I think these these crisis points can be uh, can produce change uh, if you if you feel it, if you're really feeling the the reality hitting you in in the heart.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I love that example. We're just living in, in the in the midst of a of a tough or deep ayahuasca trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that that's a good one. I like that. Um, yeah, I, that, the empathy is one of the biggest things lacking in our in our in our. I, I can speak on you know an American culture, American society. You know, we're you know, again like. Homelessness is one thing, you know. You think about like you know the Fox Newses, you know, who come around. And they drive around Skid Row and they're just like, "Oh, look how bad! Look how disgusting this place is!" It's it's the Democrats' fault. It's it's these people's faults, and it's just like, and I I can I can say like I had my own biases like before, you know. I went out there with this uh, nonprofit I work with, uh, the Hoop Bus, and we have this basketball painted school bus with like a hoop on the front end and the back end. Oh, awesome. And, um, one day, of uh, one of the, uh, projects we did, you know, we, we have a partner, um, who works out in skid row. Um, and he's like, Hey, come over here, bring the bus, bring a bunch of people. You're going to hoop. You know, we put together a bunch of care packages and sandwiches, toothbrushes, toothpaste. And, you know, I, I manage and I operate and, um, I'm a founder on the project, so I'm like just, oh, man, you know, I'm taking this bus, you know. I got to worry about this thing getting mugged and that thing getting robbed and you know, all these people I'm, I'm in, you know, in charge of, you know, making sure they're going to be safe. We get down there, and it was like one of the best humanizing things that I think not only could I have done just being – since I got to California, but like, you know, playing basketball with people. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 was, That's it was amazing. It was beautiful. Like, you know, you're high-fiving, hugging people. Like, you're not thinking about – where they came from, if they showered, like we're just hooping. Like, you know, the thing that I know most and best and just being able to do that with people. And it yeah. was like just What like, what inspired you to do that? Um the that day with uh going Or what school.
1: inspired you to get involved with this project or did you create or create the project?
0: So after I finished playing ball, um I kind of picked up this persona and character, like, oh, I'm gonna start a podcast, I'm gonna take on the bus driver character and uh, it's kind of built off Ken Kesey's electric Kool-Aid acid test, Hunter Thompson, like Jack Kerouac all wrapped up into one. Nice. Uh, um, and since I moved out here, I went to the Venice basketball courts and there's a league that goes on there in the summer. And I was out there last, I think it was only like October, November. And I jump on the court founder and I start talking and they looks at my Instagram later. And I have this beautiful photo that was taken in Chile with the bus we had because we drove it all the way to South America, a different bus. And, He's like, wow, Very you're cool. you're a bus driver. I'm like, kind of, yeah, yeah. I'm a bus driver, sure. And I got a phone call a month later, like, hey, we're actually shooting this show too. So I, I wrote this uh, little six episode like mini doc slash uh, TV show we're putting together. Um, like, hey, we're gonna go look at this bus tomorrow in the desert. Um, what's your day rate? We'll pay you to come, you know, manage and you know tell us if this is a good bus. And I'm like. Yeah, sure, you're going to come pick me up. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you guys are going to come pick me up at 5 in the morning. You want me to drive this bus that we're going to turn into this basketball vehicle and drive around country. And they showed up at my house. We went out to that bus. And um, (laughs) over the next month, we put together a GoFundMe. They raised about $25K. Um, And, you know, a month later, we had this basketball, (laughs) (laughs) this this school bus that we put these hoops on. And then we've done a bunch of these uh, experiences. We've basically went on a Kobe Bryant pilgrimage uh, and I I mean that as accurately and sincerely as the definition of that phrase sounds. For the All Star game, they were their other company, their parent company, Venice Basketball was remodeling and rebuilding a court in the west side of Chicago, and they ended up building this hundred thousand dollar court remodel renovation of this uh, gym. Um, what was the name of that gym? Um, I can't get the name, can think of the name right now. But and we brought a. NBA All-Star experience to this, you know, underprivileged or underserved community, if you want to call it, uh, on the West Side. So, you know, like, some of these people may have never get the opportunity or chance to go to the United Center and pay a $1,000 a ticket or $10,000 a ticket to see an NBA experience. But, you know, we had a big projector going up on the wall inside there. Uh, the founder had brought in a bunch of these basketball influencers from all around the country. And, you know, we're doing, like, celebrity games and... F. <laughs> social media celebrity games, and then, um, yeah, three point contests, slam dunk contests, and just you know, interacting, doing drills with the community at large. So, it was you know, an amazing experience. And, you know, just that gets to be your job, you know. You're, you're really lucky <laughs> to do that. Yeah. It's like the change you get to, you know, basketball, bus driving. Yeah, who knew that would be the, the marriage that uh, I'd be following through with one day?
1: Yeah, very cool, nice, and, and helping people. You know, I think that's the, the, that's probably the, the motivating factor is like that you're really, you know, I, I know myself at any time I feel like I'm helping somebody else, I feel really good about myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that most people, um, yeah, if you tap into that, like if you, if you're really selfish and you only care about yourself, like help someone else because that makes you feel better. (laughs) Like, you know it's like a paradox but it's true and and it, you just feel good like you feel good when when other people you're able to make somebody else's day or bring somebody out of a rut and i think that's yeah that's great that that's going on and that was something that you that just organically happened for you that's that's really cool
0: yeah chance and opportunity i kind of like i'm a, I'm a yes man uh, <laughs> i'm working on not being too much of a yes man but, you know, what I've discovered is I hide myself in saying yes all the time at work and trying to take on all these different projects uh, from dealing and treating with that thing. So i trying to get better with that, although it's allowed me to, you know, do some amazing projects and do that, um, build a life for myself after sports. Because, um, you know, one of the big projects and people I want to help are are former athletes, um, you know, from, from the professional level to, you know, the post-college level. You know, f- trying to fill that void when you 've been doing something for twenty twenty five years of your life or thirty years for some people, like yeah you know I just hear story after story, um, and it 's just like yeah i 've lost i don 't know what to do i don 't know how to experience that, and you know athletes are different people in the sense of we 're taught so well how to hide our emotions, yeah, hide our feelings, keep your composure, you know don 't show weakness you know you can't let that guy or the person in the, even in the crowd know that you know them calling you a fucking piece of shit and i'm going to kill your mother like you can't let them see that that's getting to you even though like that's just like insane like, what what did you say to me like you want to turn around and and kill somebody but it's like you know, can't let that phase and so a lot of these yeah. guys guy men and women you know really don't get to experience or even get the chance to filter through you know, those, uh, you know, are, are, you know, wouldn't say they're warlike, you know, no discredit to our militaries or, you know, people who take on those jobs, which are, which are tough. Um, but they, you know, they don't really get to filter and they don't get to sift through, you know, what they're going through and you know, how that makes them feel. So, um, Giving yeah. athletes a proper, you know, they're, they're told to go work at enterprise car rental after. Like, hey, we'll get you a job, you know, in a very, very communal like sense. You know, we're going to make sure you're, you're in a team environment, you know, making sure you're picking up commissions on renting people's cars. And again, no knock to anybody doing that, but it's like, you're, you're just like having them go through the ringer. Like, hey, you're a piece of wood. All right, you're going to get grinded out again. You've already been sifted down to a smaller piece of wood and now a smaller piece of wood there's a little more we can do for these, these men and women.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Because it's like, it means something to you, you know? So you're providing this value, uh, which is important, really important. Yeah. I know a couple of guys who after sports were just kind of like, I don't know what's, what's going on. And they were so dominant, you know, at one point and now it's, you have to enter a world where you're, you're just like, what do I, I don't know how to, what do I do? I, I used to be, I used to be dominant and people would yell my name and now I'm, I don't know, you know? yeah it's tough it's tough everybody experiences their own uh, these are the, these personal points of growth and crises and transition and, mm-hmm. uh, and there's there's no one that's necessarily greater than the next because it's all through our own human experience and what we're going through and what we've been through you know
0: yeah like you mentioned like the ego has got to be massive like hey you're all the way up here and you're going to start back down here <laughs> and you know we're so used to looking at ourselves in the physical world or like at least in a physical sense like, oh, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm faster. And now like you're told like you got to do this thing with your hands or, you know, write this report up and you're just like – I think like we get so caught up in just trying to, to – we, we're diving to be perfectionist. And now we're going into things that, you know, a lot of athletes do have success after. And they're able to take that, harness that drive and motivation. But, you know, again, it's a small percentage who are mm-hmm. just, you know, get lost lost to the wayside of, you know, who are able to hide their mental disorders or, you know, their substance abuse, you know, through sports before. And, you know, it's it fades through. So, again, yeah. everybody, everybody out there, you're not alone. And, you know, no matter if you were an athlete or a regular person, like people go through their shit, you know. Mm-hmm. yep. Ask yep. Ask someone how their day is say hello say how are you give someone a minute or two today or give them a minute yeah. or two every day
1: yeah that's great advice yeah it's the, the, these little things that you can do you know every, uh, everybody wants to change the world and you know i certainly am uh, obsessed with like big systems thinking uh, but it's uh, it really is like little little things that that make changes you know it really it really is it's, it's true it might sound kind of corny or cliche but it's like you know, you smile at someone, you ask how their day's going, especially in this time now, you know, going to the supermarket and just kind of being a little bit more aware of the fact that these people are like, they're, they're working and they're dealing with this crisis and everything. And, um, you know, so just having a little bit more compassion, it goes a long way, I think.
0: Completely. Um, I was really, I want to give a shout out to uh, the company, Bella Canvas and Christina. Um, I saw they were like uh, creating all these masks and their company had turned their manufacturing it's LA clothing line they completely converted their manufacturing on just to making you know non-medical mask and you know immediately I saw like that was like accessibility like you know if you don't have just something to put over your face or know that you can cut your sleeve and put it over your face you can't get into the grocery store you can't get in the post office you can't get into the bank you know whether someone's old young you know they didn't know about that they don't know about that like let me see if I can get a hold of some mask, and let me see if I can just run around town and drop them off at the grocery store. Like, hey guys, can I donate to these to you? Like, you know, in case someone can't get in here, someone can't get into the post office. So, and again, that was met with just like amazing warmth and happiness. Like, like thank you, you know, because we went to some of the grocery stores, and you know, even people working there at first, you know, didn't have something over their face. So they didn't have a mask on. Again, it's not medical, but it's it's seventy percent better than nothing, which which is massive, you know? And just, again, another thing out there, people just go out there and do some change, man. It's okay if you don't think it's going to affect somebody or it's not going to be a home run hit.
1: It doesn't yeah, have to be all runs. This is the beautiful aspect of humanity in our world where it's like we look to these big institutions that we've given power to and, you know, they're supposed to be taking care of us and they, they can't even do a lot of the things that we need. So, you know, whatever, people are just like taking it into their own hands and they're creating their own things and making their own things happen. People are like, Hey, come to my, come over to my place. I'll give you a haircut or whatever, whatever they're doing to make, to meet the the needs and the wants and desires of, of other people. It's like, uh, I, I see a lot of that happening. Like people kind of helping each other out a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Yeah,
0: it, It's, it's fantastic. And, um, you know, I think that's the problem, you know. Politically, with like the Democratic Party, you know, it's just like, hey, how can we just get more money and throw more money at things? We just get more money thrown at things, that's going to solve the problem. But we're never actually going to do something that's going to better people or actually work with them. It's just, hey, let's just get this, let's just throw more money at it. It's just like, just so blind. And it's just like, not elitist, but just like, that's it. You just think I'm a, I'm a dollar bill, you know, that you just need a <laughs> yeah. little bit of money and that's gonna solve the problems. Right. Wow, I made a good transition right there from the AirPods to the uh to the headset seamless. Now you uh you said you lived in New York and you did a political podcast?
1: I did, yeah, yeah. So I, I lived in New York City for about like eight years and and uh and you know, decided to move after being in Peru for a while, just like wanted to get more out into nature. Yeah. Yeah. I did a, a political podcast. It was like, you know, comedy politics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Like Jimmy Dor. Jimmy Dorask. esque. Yeah. I right?
1: like Jimmy Dor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Lo- love Jimmy Dor. <laughs> yeah. He is uh, quite the character. Where in uh, New York did you live? I lived in the lower East side of Manhattan. Oh man. Yeah. Good. Bad. What were your reviews of New York? Cause I moved, uh, from New York before I came to Los Angeles. Oh, where, okay, cool. Where did you live? Um, I started off in the financial district, ended up in Windsor Terrace, had a really cool spot right off uh, Prospect Park. And then I finished off in Williamsburg. Um working with yeah, a bunch <laughs> of other creators. And then I
1: finished my tour in Williamsburg and now <laughs> now, I'm, now I got PTSD from Yeah, it it it's uh it is intense. I, I moved there after college, uh and then I loved it. It was great. Uh, and then I just had more experiences. Like I went backpacking through Southeast Asia. I went mm-hmm. to Eastern Europe. I went to Costa Rica. I just was traveling and doing more things and becoming more interested in psychedelics. And so I was like, all right, you know, that was good. New York was good for a while. I'm moving on. You know, it's, it's, it, it's its own thing. You know, it's, it's definitely, it has its own energy, its own Ooh. style and, you know, oh, yeah. and, and I loved it for, for the time being and I get kind of sick of it around. 2016
0: yeah man i could i couldn't make myself at home there um it was just so tough. i grew
1: up there so it was easy yeah. okay yeah
0: yeah it was yeah it was it, i know i don't want to say too fast like i i just couldn't because i moved fast it was just like I, I, I couldn't get my feet down couldn't get my bearings in there love it love it but just yeah surprised i couldn't make it just didn't wasn't for me
1: Yeah. I I think it's, it's a weird, I don't know if it's for anyone really. You kind of have to like mutate yourself when you're living in the city. It's, it's this different kind of feedback energy that you get from the concrete and the buildings and the energy and the movement and the demands and the, you know, the the consumerism. Yeah. The sound, the the (laughs) horns. It's just a, it's a, it's a mutated environment. Uh, It's not necessarily a natural habitat, I think. So, you know, especially in this time of, of COVID, like, um, even living in Denver, I'm like, man, like nothing's really open. And all the things that the reason the appeal of being in a city isn't really so much there for me anymore. It's like, maybe I should move more into the mountains or something and just be in nature. Like I've been driving up and going on hikes and doing things like that. So, you know, and if I I do the podcast virtually, why not? You know, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm really craving more, more of a natural landscape.
0: Yeah. I've been dying to do some more podcasts back in person again. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. talking about yeah. this, you know. Oh, I'm on OBS and I'm splashing it and bouncing it off of Zoom and then Zoom back to here and right. hopefully everybody watching. There's not like some crazy delay on the streaming sites. so uh, Apologies if you've been watching and it's been shit. Uh, <laughs> the proper recording will be up later, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's the, the toughest part about this whole COVID thing is that we're social creatures and you know we're we're being told you know you can't be social and you know again what that does for us even like you are talking about the New York setting. I mean you look at those the subway system. Um you know I miss to a certain extent. I love the you know availability to bounce from place to place for 275 like just jump on the train for an adventurer like the subway system's incredible. It's just like mm-hmm. oh, where are we going to jump to? Move to yeah. next spot, next spot. But um yeah, it's interesting how cities are losing their appeal right now. I mean more, I mean you know, what, what value do they have? You know, especially when you're there for, you know, what's unfortunate to say is we go to a place for work first, you know, that's our top thing. That's going to take us to a place. That's going to bring us to a place. And then, you know, by the time you get to what's making me happy, what's making me enjoy my everyday life. I mean, sometimes people aren't even getting to number five on their list when they're they're experiencing things. So, Ooh, I mean, uh, hopefully, more people. I think. I think that's a stat, though. Actually, more young people are moving away from cities. I mean, especially New York. I think I saw that that uh, the percentage of people leaving the city is like thirty, forty percent compared to people coming into the city.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's got its benefits and stuff, but I think it's it's let's leverage the technology that we've developed and acquired and are now using more of due to this pandemic and maybe you know get interested in 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 living in uh in more communities i mean that's where that's where my interest lies it's like maybe i could live more in a natural setting utilize the the virtual places for what i need to do for work and job and things like that and then have access to maybe a, a permaculture community or mm-hmm. a garden or you know something like that I, I think that you know terrence mckenna calls it this like the archaic revival and it's like the you know you, let's and douglas rushkoff talks about this a lot it's like let's let's make technology work for us like let's make society and and you know these things work for us let's not be a part of the machine and we work for it and i think that we're kind we're kind of at that point right now we do have the freedom you can if you can work online you can work from wherever you want in the world you can Mm -hmm. work from bali or you know wherever um so yeah and and for me it's like i want to I talk a lot about these the local, the localism and the um, sort of off grid, you know, detaching yourselves from, from a dominant kind of uh, uh, one singular narrative paradigm of, of control and, and a system of way of living that, that sort of is like the city kind of way. So if you can kind of get more in touch with nature, I think a lot of this, the the COVID stuff has also been like, well, shit, man. Like, Maybe I can like grow my own food. Like maybe I can learn how to make my own things. You know, and mm-hmm. and, and be more, more uh, self reliant. Um, that's that's what's kind of bringing. That's what's coming up for me. And I'm sort of looking at this as maybe a way in which we could sort of make change and make things a little bit better. Yeah.
0: Completely. It's, I, I think that's one of the big problems we have with science, technology, and you know philanthropy. So to say, it's just like, hey,
1: right. yeah, like you said, throwing money at things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, hey, wait, 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 you guys are trying to figure out how to live to 200, but we can't make sure that everybody <laughs> knows how to be healthy and right. has yeah. you know, accessibility to food and health care. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think we're going about this the wrong way. We're trying to get to Mars first, Elon, like, you know, right now, everybody doesn't have accessibility just to get into a grocery store and, right. and, and get food or, you know, have access to a bathroom. You know, people are shitting and pissing on the streets of Los Angeles. Hmm. There, there's some, there's some things we can we can you know go backwards a little bit, which is okay, guys. We don't have to don't have to be shooting for Mars or the Moon every single time. And Elon Musk is great. No knocker discredit to him. Um, it's just like there's some there's some stuff we get we still have to sift through and sort through and deal with. We'll say, yeah. So everybody, get dosed, pop some tabs. Let's work on it. <laughs>
1: There we go. That's the <laughs> campaign message.
0: That is the campaign, but no, but don't dose people. That's not not a believer in that. No, no, no absolutely not. Don't. No. no, everybody's got to do it on their own. Yes. Yes. Consent
1: no. and voluntary action. Yeah.
0: Please, please, uh, Mike, dude, um, it was about ninety minutes, man. Thank you so much uh, for jumping on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a great chat. I appreciate it very much. That was fantastic. I'm definitely uh, definitely have you back on again. Um, please. Uh, Plug your show away, let people know where they can find you, and um yeah, any more positive messages affirmations you want to hit people in the face with, go ahead, man.
1: Oh man, don't give me that space because I'll take two more hours. But if you <laughs> want to hear more of that kind of stuff, you can listen to Mike Adelic. It's uh uh, podcast I do put out once a week, sometimes twice, and do like bonus episodes and stuff uh, for Patreon. Uh, you can find it everywhere, Spotify, uh, YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts. It's just Mike Adelic, M-I-K-E-A-D-E-L-I-C, and uh, Mike Adelic underscore podcast on Instagram. I'm not so active on social media, but I feel like I kind of have to be. So anyway, whatever. If you send me a DM, I'll respond. That'll be cool and uh mikebrank.com b-r-a-n-c is my website go there and and check out all the stuff over there and uh yeah as as they said in in bill and ted's excellent adventure just be excellent to each other
0: (laughs) party on dudes party on what a movie such a great movie mike thank you again and uh everybody be sure to check out uh mike's show he's got some great guests on the show um people you know all throughout the space working with uh, psychedelics plant medicines and um, your spirituality and uh, self-realization itself so um, we'll have links to the bios and all that stuff right there thank you everybody for tuning in Um, go ahead subscribe and like the show it's how more people can find it thank you guys so much for sending me messages you you wanted to tune in send me some questions and some uh, interesting topics to talk about Um, and yeah no matter where you are no matter where you're going you're either on the bus or off the bus See you guys later. This is the moment uh, for those who.